welcome to the Smoking PTSD Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Diver. I am a survivor of suicide, a survivor of childhood emotional and physical abuse, as well as a veteran of the U.S. Navy and a retired first responder. I started this podcast to help me on my journey to wellness by sharing my story, my thoughts, and my experiences in a hope that my story will reach and help others and let them know that it's okay to not be okay. With that being said, I'm not a licensed mental or behavioral health professional. I'm just a guy who's been through some stuff and has experienced a trauma survival. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, medical treatment, or therapy. Always seek the advice of your qualified mental health provider with any questions you may have regarding any mental health symptoms, and never disregard professional help or delay in seeking professional advice or treatment because of something you have heard on this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review this episode as your comments can only serve to improve the content. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope everyone's doing well. So today I'm going to talk about what is mindfulness and how do we achieve it. So mindfulness means different things to different people. I know for me, I don't exactly follow the textbook definition of it where mindfulness is a form of meditation. But the books say that mindfulness is a state of active open attention to the present. It's been described as observing one's thoughts and feelings without judging them as being either good or bad. And being mindful gives tremendous opportunity for self-reflection and self-awareness. So in that aspect of mindfulness, I do follow where I do things that I do give myself opportunity for self-reflection and self-awareness but I don't exactly consider it to be a form of meditation. When I sit here in my den and I do this podcast, I find that to be a form of mindfulness for me. Uh, Tomorrow, I'm going to go out with my metal detector up to the gold fields up by uh, Wickenburg and Whitman. And that to me is a form of mindfulness. To me, doing something that I enjoy that's outside of work, that's outside of my ordinary wanting to just sit on the couch and do nothing, which in in some people's cases, that is being mindful as well. But, you know, sitting here in my den and I build my models or I'll put a Lego kit together, to me, that is mindfulness. And as I sit here in my den, I look at my aquarium that I bought several months ago uh, and I put some mollies in there and friends told me that mollies reproduce rather quickly and I see three or four little things moving back and forth in the fish tank so I have I have four new fish in my fish tank today so that's uh that's pretty neat to see so it'll be fun to watch them grow and become bigger fish Uh, and hopefully they do hopefully they do that So the form of mindfulness that I follow, I like to say that it's essentially paying attention to our true selves. And it's not a form of selfishness either, where people say that you're selfish if you only pay attention to yourself. This is different. This is paying attention to yourself in a way that allows you to remain grounded and giving yourself permission to engage with your emotions and how they affect you. Uh, And it could be simple as, you know, taking a deep breath and becoming mindful of what you're feeling at that moment and practicing 
mindfulness in that if it's a trigger for you, you're not allowing that trigger to fully take over. You're not allowing it to let the anger rise up, but you're noticing that it's there. You're feeling that it's there and you're allowing maybe breathing exercises or a repetitive commentary that you say in yourself to yourself that this is, you're not going to allow this to take, to take over and to control you at that very moment. Brene Brown describes mindfulness this way on page 71 of her book, Rising Strong. Mindfulness means maintaining a moment-by-moment awareness of our thoughts, feelings, bodily sensations, and surrounding environment. Mindfulness also involves acceptance, meaning that we pay attention to our thoughts and feelings without judging them, without believing, for instance, that there's a right or wrong way to think or feel in a given moment. And she gets that from the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California at Berkeley. And I I agree wholeheartedly with that in that we are not allowing the negative thoughts to control us. And I find that, especially with myself, that is very easy to do. I still find myself, I get angry, angry at other drivers. And that is a crux for me. And at the same time, I allow myself to say, basically, let it go. You don't control them. They're in a bad place. You don't have to match that bad place. And you don't have to match that bad place and reciprocate uh, what that other driver is doing. So I do find myself being able to more easily control the angry sensations um, when I'm driving and and at work even, um, I don't let negative things control my day. There has been some, uh, some negativity that has come out with the new job. Um, they have shut down a couple of the cars on, in the East Valley. There's, you know, the, the call volume is just not there for us. So not saying that the writing is on the wall for the, this position, but I'm allowing the senior managers to, to do their job and try and figure out what's going on. And I'm not letting that control me and put me in a bad mood um, when I'm at work. Whereas I would have found a reason for that to make me miserable during the day. And then you would end up, I would end up taking that negative thoughts and feelings out on others um, and perhaps even patients that I would encounter during the day. So further research into mindfulness finds that it encompasses two key ingredients, awareness and acceptance. And it says that awareness is the ability to focus attention on one's inner progresses and experiences. And acceptance is the ability to observe and accept rather than judge or avoid those streams of thought. And I think that goes back to what I was just saying about uh, driving and incidences that occur with driving and reacting negatively to other drivers and other people around me. And it's just, you know, their, their bad day is their bad day. If they want to drive that way and act that way, there's nothing I can do to control it. It's not my responsibility to try and control it. It's not my responsibility to... Uh, point out their evil ways to them, so to speak. So 
allowing the observations, allowing me to observe and accept what's going on rather than judging it and avoiding my own feelings of positivity and going towards the negative side, um, that allows me to become a more grounded individual and to be a better person because I am accepting the faults that I have. Whereas before I probably did not do that as much or as well as I should have. I did not want to accept my faults. I did not want to even um, acknowledge my faults, but obviously we all have to do that. We all have faults. We all have fallacies. We're all human beings. And at the end of the day, that's what's most important is we are all human beings. And I think we all deserve to give one another the, the benefit of the doubt more often than we probably should, or I'm sorry, probably do. So a lot of the research and the readings that I've done have shown that uh, mindfulness is all about positive thoughts. And I don't, for me, I don't think that that's possible. Um, I think that I have too many negative thoughts that, okay, well, as I sit here and record this, I just saw one of the mollies eat one of the baby fish. So, hmm. Interesting. Okay. So back to this. So I'm not that naive uh, to think that I can only do mindfulness and it be all positive thoughts. It is positive energy. It does bring me peace and it does calm me down. Um, but I don't know if I could ever just attain positive thoughts. So now I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just being a realist that I am with this, um, that I know that my behavioral health journey does not necessarily have a destination. Uh, it is going to be a long and continuous and sometimes arduous journey, but it's not going to end at a finish line. Uh, there, are, there are goals that I have. There's a lot of goals that I've already attained, but I also understand that it's not going, I'm not going to cross the finish line like at the, a race or a marathon and say this is the end. The, the journey continues. And I guess for me, mindfulness is me being able to separate myself from my mind, especially, like I said, when the anger begins to step in. And this, this may not be the clinical definition of mindfulness, yet I will you know, count to 10 and try and focus on something else, uh, especially when I'm driving. Um, and around here in, in the Phoenix Valley, there are dozens of mountains and beautiful scenery to look at. And that's what, that's what I look at and try and just divert my attention away from um, whatever was happening that, that was going to cause me to become angry while I'm driving my car. And I've, I've heard this message or whatever on Instagram about going from zero to death row in a heartbeat and, and that's how I feel about my anger sometimes um, and the anger issues that I have uh, causes the anger to rise up. And I will usually, even after I get home, I will sit and when it's quiet and I'll just rethink about the event and I'll replay the event in my mind and over and over and over again. And it just, it just causes me to remain in that, that state of, excitement and readiness and fight or flight. And I can feel the, the cortisone, um, 
rising up in, in my body and, and my heart rate increases. And I, I really have to work hard to focus on something else to try and keep those negative thoughts at bay, if, if you will, um, and try not to dwell on what had happened, but to try and understand the cause and to focus on the experience to see how I could better react in other similar circumstances. But the purpose of mindfulness is also to allow you to be more consciously grounded and bring perspective to your front brain or to the frontal lobes, which are responsible for, amongst other things, your decision-making processes. So allowing yourself to be more in your front brain allows you to focus on the decision-making and to make mindful decisions rather than to just let your mammalian brain and the amygdala that we've spoken about before to allow those to take over. So if we allow the amygdala, our old friend, the amygdala to take over, then this affects our long-term potentiation and memories. And the amygdala plays a role here in our responses to the stimuli and how we react, how we react to that based on past experiences, exposures, and overstimulation. The frontal lobes also play a significant role in information retrieval. The amygdala is preeminent in the control and mediation of most higher order emotional and motivational activities, as well as recall of trauma-related memories and stimuli, as we have spoken about several times before. The amygdala, amygdala plays a very dynamic role in trauma survivors and how our responses going forward can be adversely affected based on what our prior experiences and exposures have been. In the book that I have about the limbic system, hypothalamus, amygdala, hippocampus, septal nucleus, and the cingulate states on page 248, because of its involvement in all aspects of social, emotional, and motivational functioning, activation of the amygdala, therefore, can evoke highly personal and emotional memories as it is highly involved in remembering emotionally charged experiences. So that's why, as we've said before, we go into the fight or flight mode almost automatically when we experience a trauma similar to what we've already experienced or when we think about and remember the trauma. I know after witnessing 9-11, uh, and having gone over to ground zero, I could not and still uh, cannot watch the myriad shows that are on cable networks and on Netflix about the 9-11 attacks. I cannot watch them because I will automatically have the sensation that I'm back on the pile. I'm back there with all the sights and sounds and smells and seeing that hand again. And it adversely affects me. Uh, so I cannot watch those things. So that's that's because our amygdala plays that significant role in remembering those emotionally charged experiences. And in fact, the amygdala becomes particularly active when recalling personal and emotional memories and response to cognitive and context determines stimuli regardless of their specific emotional qualities. So... We have to try and understand that when we are trying to heal ourselves from trauma, that 
amygdala hijack is a very real problem for us. And if we don't attempt to get that under control, we're not going to truly be able to get past the emotional trauma that we had or that we experienced. So, and it seems that uh, we can look at amygdala hijack as the opposite and perhaps even the arch enemy of mindfulness. A full or overflowing amygdala will prevent us from being in our front brain and prevent us from being mindful so that we can adequately reset ourselves and resolve stress, anxiety, and pain. So as we work on our trauma responses and we talk to our friends or our therapist uh, or our psychiatrist about what our past traumas have been, we think about or should be thinking about mindfulness at the same time. Being mindful of our surroundings and taking the time for ourselves goes hand in hand with healing and goes hand in hand with, with talking about the events that we have witnessed and the things that are most troublesome and troubling to us. So another, uh, another short episode. I like these short ones. I think a little bit better. I can, uh, produce them a little bit, a little bit quicker or not. I was, I was concerned before about the time limits I had when I first started this, there was a lot to say and not that I still don't have a lot to say. It's just the time that I have to put into this podcast is limited so that I think doing uh, the shorter episodes might be a little bit better for me. But going hand in hand with our, our work on making ourselves better is mindfulness. And again, it's, it's whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to be the textbook definition. I do know people that do enjoy meditation. I, I'm not one of them. I do not uh, subscribe to that. But I do find that sitting in a quiet room alone and just thinking about positivity, I guess that is a form of uh, meditation. It does help me. Um, And just doing things that I enjoy rather than sitting around and and just doing nothing and and thinking uh, negative thoughts. So try and remain positive and uh, enjoy the week. And I will talk to you guys soon. Went out this afternoon and bought some ribs. I'm going to put some ribs on the smoker going to do a very simple uh, dry rub recipe, which includes brown sugar, garlic powder, onion powder, coarse salt, some freshly ground black pepper, dry mustard, smoked paprika, and ground coriander. And I like the coriander because it it gives a little bit of a tart, um, almost like a lemon-lime taste uh, to the meat. And I think, uh, the coriander plays a really, really good role in adding more flavor, um, coriander, brown sugar, and the dry mustard and paprika to me really go well in a dry rub. Uh, so I'm going to be rubbing the, the ribs down in about an hour and a half. Um, going to let them sit for a couple of hours and then I'll put them onto the smoker. And that's, uh, that's my plan today as I sit here and watch some football. Uh, fly Eagles fly. Hopefully we do well and get into the playoffs and make a good run. And I did say to myself when the season started, if the Eagles do make it to the Super Bowl, which is being played out here in Glendale, I will be going to that Super Bowl no matter how much money it costs. So good luck to everyone. Keep working on your story and we'll talk to you soon.
Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. Please rate, subscribe, and review, as your comments can only serve to improve this podcast. If you or someone you know are struggling with thoughts of suicide, please call or text the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 988. Veterans can also call 988 and press 1 or text 838255. You can reach me on Twitter at PTSD, on Instagram at smokin underscore PTSD, or email me at thesmokinptsdpodcast at gmail.com. And please remember, everyone you meet is struggling with something you know nothing about, so please, let's be kind to one another.